Jim Dow has served 18 years at the Voice of the Martyrs, the last five as president. Over that time, he's met amazing believers and seen the power of radical forgiveness. Forgiveness is so important, I think, in the life of our life and in the life of our persecuted families. And they show that. They are able to turn the other cheek. They're able to pray for their persecutors. They're willing to go back where people have persecuted them to share the gospel. Jesus never promised his followers an easy path. In fact, he told his disciples that the world would hate them. He sent them out as sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help right now on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. Welcome again to The Voice of the Martyrs Radio. My name is Todd Nettleton, and we are in the studio in Bartlesville, Oklahoma. And we are in the studio today with VOM's president, Jim Dow. Uh, He has been serving at Voice of the Martyrs for almost 18 years. For the last five of those years, five plus, he's been the president and CEO. And uh, if you like Voice of the Martyrs Radio, you owe a debt of gratitude to Jim because he's the guy who said... We could do a radio program. So, Jim, thank you for that, and thank you for being willing to come on and and talk about some of your experiences. Well, thank you for what you're doing with the radio program, how you have taken it, and really have made a great impact, I think, throughout the Christian world. It's, uh, It's even more than I envisioned, and so we're excited about it, and I look forward to even greater things in the future. Well... Lord willing, I hope that that happens. And Jim, you are just back from Burma. Uh, For those who don't know, now it's called Myanmar. At least the government calls it Myanmar. Most of the people still call it Burma. What is the situation for Christians there right now? It, It varies in different areas. It depends on where you go. Some of the major cities have churches that they can attend, but you get out in the villages that's where there's a tremendous amount of persecution still going on. And I know you heard one story that, that really made an impact on you. <laughs> share, share that story with us. Okay, there's a, there was a number, but the one, I'll name it Esther. This is a Burmese family. They were Buddhists starting January 1st, 2017. They were a Buddhist family. Esther's husband had been in a major accident, motorcycle accident, and he was close to death. He was suffering tremendously. She calls her niece, who lived in a different part of Burma, to come and help her. Well, this niece knew a pastor who she brought with him. This pastor came and prayed for her husband, shared the gospel, Now, Esther said she didn't listen when he was praying or even when he shared the gospel. They left. Next day, nothing happened. The next day, her husband was healed. Wow. And this opened her eyes and said, (laughs) wow, what's this? Well, they're very poor, and so the way they made a living was picking flowers and selling them in the market. Well, she went out to pick some flowers the next day and— you climb a tree and a tree stump or stick jabbed her leg and caused quite a bit of 
pain and damage to that leg. And she goes home. She's able to get home and feeling not too bad, but at night it really started to hurt. And so she said, I wonder if this God would heal me. And so she calls the pastor, or she gets a message to the pastor that afternoon or evening, but no one comes. The next morning she gets up, and there's a woman evangelist at her front door who comes in to share the gospel with her, to pray for her, and to say, I know you're a Buddhist and you do good things, but the only way to be saved is to know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, and he's the great healer. And so they prayed, and she was healed. Wow. And she said, from this time on, I'll follow Jesus as my Lord. She went so far as to take her Buddha shrine and to destroy it because she said, this Jesus is greater than this shrine, this small shrine. He's, he's uh, done over all the world type did. thing. And so she, she destroyed that. And while that happened, that evening, her little son, who was four years old, really had something go through him because he was crying. He was just crying all day and all night. And she woke up and she prayed for him, but she also saw this great light over her whole family. And she said, Lord, what is this? And this light was there. Her son stopped crying. The family slept well that night. The next morning she wakes up reading her Bible and the Lord spoke to her and says, I will be there for you and your family. I will watch over you for the rest of your life. And so she said, I will surrender my life to you. And this was January 26, 2017, when she gave her life. She had two sisters that she went to share with them, and they were very upset with her, trying to share this message with her, and, and she prayed about it. She loved them so much. Her brother had attacked her brother-in-law with a knife, cut his head open, and was in prison. So she goes to share with him, and he at first didn't want to hear anything about it. But during the course of time, the two sisters come to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Then she goes to tell her mother and father, and her father gets very angry with her and says, don't come back here. And even if I die, don't come to my funeral. Wow. And she says, okay. But she kept praying. She kept praying for them. And during that time, her brother, who's in prison, comes to accept Jesus as his Lord and Savior also. And eventually, he's set free from prison. The sisters about March came to know, know the Lord. The brother was probably April-May time period. Now we're in about the 1st of July. And the mother and the father says, you can come back. And you can even tell us about your Jesus. So she comes back with love and tells them her mother accepts Jesus as her Lord and Savior. Her father's still somewhat struggling, but a couple of days later, after he sees the change in his whole family, he accepts him. The day after he accepts him, the monks of the village call them to come to the temple. They bring four other village people there, and there's about seven to 800 people in this temple challenging them about standing 
For who do you believe in? And the father says, I believe in Jesus Christ. And they said, what are you, a Christian? And he says, yes. And they said, do you know what that means? That means that you won't be able to be buried in any of our cemeteries because you have to have your own cemetery. You should change your religion. And Esther, who had started this whole thing, stood up and says, I will never change my religion. I will stand for Jesus Christ until I die. So they dismissed them. They're going back to their home. As they go back to their home, there's trucks pulling up, dropping some big rocks around near their house. And they thought, well, maybe they're going to repair the road or something like that. Well, that as the sun goes down, a big group of people form around their house and start picking up these rocks and throwing it at their house. The mother is going to the back door to close the back door and gets hit by a rock pretty firm in the chest and gets knocked over. So they move all the little children to the middle of the house. The adults cover them with their bodies, and for a couple hours their house is stoned, and it's just starting to fall apart. Now, miraculously, no one was severely injured. There were bruises and cuts and things of that nature, but no one was hurt badly. This pastor that had led Esther to the Lord heard about this. So he, this is about a couple hours after this whole thing started, he goes to the authorities and tries to get the authorities to go help the situation. Well, it took the authorities about an hour to get there. During that time, there were a couple other homes that were owned by the family. The whole family didn't live in one home. The, this mob went over to some of these other. They're all, they're all their homes are on stilts. Mm-hmm. They're built above the ground. And so they went with power saws and cut down these homes of the other family members. Wow. They went to the home where they were sending rocks and started pushing up big poles inside the house to see if, if they would hit any bodies that they had killed. They thought they everyone was dead. Well, by the time the authorities got there, they tried to break up the mob, but it wouldn't break up until they started shooting their guns in the air, and that broke up the mob. Then the pastor went in, and fortunately, they were able to get everyone out. No one was severely injured and took them to his house. They are still at his house. We got to meet a number of the family members. About 20 of them came to meet us at a hotel where we were at and with the little children. And it was just tremendous to hear their testimonies. Even Esther's nine-year-old daughter who was there, we asked her some questions about, do you love Jesus? She says, I sure do. And no matter what happens, I will always love him. And then we asked them, would you like to go back to your village? She says, I have many friends back there. I'd like to go back there to share about Jesus because wow. they don't know about <laughs> Jesus. So that was one of the most powerful testimonies I have heard in a long time. The interesting thing to me is how it wasn't like they had been Christians for years and years and years to build up to this time of persecution. In some cases, like a few days. Right. The were... father was like two days. And yeah. he still said, nope, I'm I'm for Jesus. Right. I'm not going backwards. Right. And the other thing that amazed me when I met them was they all had Bibles. Their Bibles were worn. We asked them to read some scripture, and you open it up. They're highlighted. They got notes in them. And they've been, you know, 
Less than a year. Less How many year. of our Bibles are worn and have strong notes in there that they go to to give them strength? So it was very encouraging. We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Jim Dow. He is the president of the Voice of the Martyrs. And Jim, as you think back on this story, obviously is amazing. As you think back to the last 18 years and some of the other trips you've been on, are there other stories that that you kind of always think back on and think, oh, wow, that that person had amazing faith. That that was an amazing story. One area I think back quite a bit about is Columbia. The widow Luce. Yeah, Luce. I was with her. Her husband got murdered for opening a church, and I met her about four months before she gave birth to twins. And I've seen her challenges she has faced for the many years as her children have grown, as we have stood with her all this time, as we've had to move her because of the fact that, in fact, just recently the man that murdered her husband got out of prison and was looking for her. And so because of that, we had to move him. Her children are doing well. I saw them recently, and she still is standing boldly for the Lord. People like that, what they're willing to go through just to get the gospel throughout that country, to me, is exciting. What are some of the lessons, the spiritual lessons that you've learned as you've met with people like that and hear their stories? What do you kind of bring home and try to put into practice in your own spiritual life? Well, first of all, the love they show to their persecutors. In Burma this time, I heard maybe four strong testimonies, and that's what came across. I mean, one couple had been attacked with knives. The husband had been stabbed. He didn't move. He wanted to share the love of Jesus with them who had persecuted him. Uh, Another person who had been in the military who came to know the Lord had been tortured in the military, still wants to share the love of Jesus with the Burmese. Now, this is what's interesting. He is Burmese, and he's sharing with the Burmese. And that is very unusual in that part of the world. So I guess love is one thing that you can see in there. A boldness to stand and preach the gospel, no matter what the cost is. I mean, the examples in India of these little evangelists who go from village to village, the story where we've got one on a bike, he comes in, starts preaching the gospel, they beat him up, and and he gets knocked out, and they say, well, what happens when you come to? Well, I pick myself up and go to the next village. <laughs> that, to me, is a boldness that I wish we could see here in this country. And the last one is probably prayer. Prayer, that's what we always hear when we visit our persecuted brothers and sisters. Would you pray for us? Would you have the church in the West pray for us? Whatever legacy I hope I can leave here at BOM, whenever that time is, is that we are a praying ministry, that we are seeking the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us, and that that is the direction that we are willing to go as they are willing to go. And one of the things that I appreciate about you is you you pray about big decisions, and I have been in the room and in meetings with you when we pray together and pray for the Lord's guidance One of the things we always want to do on VOM Radio is help our listeners to pray. You have met dozens and dozens of persecuted Christians. When you pray for the persecuted church, when you pray for persecuted Christians, how do you pray so that our listeners can maybe learn some some examples of how they can pray too? 
Well, how I pray for them is that they would be listening to the Holy Spirit, that they would be led by the Holy Spirit, that we could pray for them for encouragement, for wisdom, and for a continued boldness, no matter what they must face, that just as Richard was able to forgive his persecutors, that whatever situation comes our way or their way, that they're able to forgive. Forgiveness is so important, I think, in the life of our life and in the life of our brothers and sisters, our persecuted families. And they show that. They are able to turn the other cheek. They're able to pray for their persecutors. They're willing to go back where people have persecuted them to share the gospel. So that we can pray that they have those abilities and that boldness and that and that we can pray that they have the right tools to be able to further the gospel wherever they are. We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Jim Dow. He is the president of the Voice of the Martyrs USA. Jim, I know you and Peggy, your wife, have lots of grandchildren. How many grandchildren? Eleven. Eleven grandchildren. You guys have been very intentional about sharing the stories of persecuted Christians with your grandchildren and and using them as kind of teachable moments. Can you talk a little bit about how you've done that? And and again, I hope this is inspiration for our listeners to say, hey, oh yeah, I could do that. How have you inspired your grandchildren in their faith walk because you've had contacts with persecuted Christians? Right. We used a lot of torchlighters, videos, and IMN videos. We started out with the torchlighter video. We'll let them choose which one, and we'll show it. There's things online that you can go to that have different questions about that video. And so I'll have those questions, and my grandkids go from the age of 5 to almost 18. So I come up with questions for each age group, and I, I don't let the little ones get away with it. And usually the younger ones and the middle-aged ones are really excited. Sometimes the older ones I've got to really challenge with some good questions and things like that. But we'll ask them questions and, and say, okay, how does this relate to you? And how would this relate to you if you face something like that? Then I let each of them have certain things to pray about. And that has been very effective. In fact, when we started the IMN videos uh, last two summers, they were more excited, especially the seven, eight, nine, ten-year-olds, of watching the videos before breakfast even. Wow. They wanted to see that. They wanted to get to choose which one. And so I let every day someone else got to choose which one. And then I would have questions. We would discuss it and ask uh, what impact that has. My children read to their children our newsletter also, and uh, you know, and and I ask them about those too because when they come, I'll have a couple of newsletters and say, "You choose which newsletter you want, and you share with me what story and what impact that has in your life, and why, and why is that powerful?" So those are some things that we have, and then Peggy and I do call them, but we usually try to call them every Sunday night. And we have things to read and discuss. So, And we try to bring all our grandchildren together in a conference call. And so oh, they live cool. two different places. So uh, they get to talk to their cousins, who they miss a lot. And, <laughs> and then we challenge them to see what their answers are to these questions. So it, it's just uh, continue to have them 
read about our persecuted families and to pray about it. And we also use the Action Bible. The Action Bible is a Bible that they really enjoy, especially the younger ones that are very much involved. In fact, uh, we took them for a trip once when just before our daughter's number seven was born, we took all six of them on a trip for a weekend to give her and her husband a break. And so we had the Action Bible with us. And so it was a fight to see who got to read it that <laughs> that day for morning to night. So it was always someone else wanted to have their special story to be able to read it. So it's just exciting to see when you challenge them, their responses. They rise up. Mm-hmm. Well, I think I think the lesson for me as a parent and for our listeners is you just you're intentional about it. You you make a point of we are going to talk about this. We are going to bring this up. And, and keep those examples in front of your grandkids. Right, exactly. And uh, and to be challenging them, you know, and to be praying for them. My wife and I pray for them every morning. They're in our prayers. And so, you know, they're going to face struggles too and maybe persecution. So we want them to be strong when that comes. We've been talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Jim Dow. He is the president of the Voice of the Martyrs USA he is also, as I mentioned earlier, the guy who said yes to having a radio program here at VOM. Jim, thank you for your service. As we leave off, and we've already talked about how to pray, what do you hope that, that VOM's message and the message of our persecuted family, how do you hope that's impacting American Christians, the, the people that you and I go to church with, the people who are listening to this broadcast? What do you hope the fruit of this is in their lives? Well, I hope the fruit in their life is to give them a greater boldness to share the gospel with even a stranger. Uh, let me share a quick story about one of our IM people who was in China. And maybe you've heard this story already, but to me it's got great impact. Uh, he was getting on a plane, and as most of us do, we get on a plane. Maybe we have a book. We sit down, and we strap in, and we start reading the book. Uh, he's sitting there talking, and this young Chinese female comes and sits next to him. She's probably in her early 20s, taps him on the shoulder, and says, Do you know Jesus? And he said, I've been a pastor for 25 years, and no one has ever asked me that. And he says, Yes, I do know Jesus. But then she says, do you really know Jesus and love him? Do you read your Bible every day and do you pray every day? And he says, yes, I do. So then she turned to the Chinese man that was sitting next to her by the window, talks to him for a little while, comes back to our I am friend and says to him, we've got to pray for him. He doesn't know Jesus. And this was her mission outreach. How many of us are willing to do that? If we sit on a plane, if we meet a stranger, even if we meet a neighbor, are we willing to share that with a neighbor? I think we need in this country to have a greater boldness, a greater move of the Holy Spirit in our lives to go forth and reach out to the lost with the truth of the word. Amen. We've been talking with Jim Dow for 18 years. He's served here at the Voice of the Martyrs. You heard Jim talk about his legacy at VOM, and I want you to know that since we recorded this interview, VOM has completed a transition plan that our board has been working on for several years with Jim's retirement, 
and Cole Richards, whom you've met here on VOM Radio, stepping into the role as president and CEO. You're going to read more about that in VOM's February newsletter. So watch for that in your mailbox. And if you don't get the newsletter, you can sign up. It's free at VOMRadio.net. Also at VOMRadio.net, you can hear every episode of VOM Radio. Jim talked about the Action Bible. And at VOMRadio.net, you can hear an interview with Sergio Cariello, who is the artist behind the Action Bible. Quite an amazing story going from drawing Spider-Man to drawing Jesus for the Action Bible. That's just one of the great conversations you can hear at VOMRadio.net. I know you'll want to be with us next week. We're going to talk with Helen Berhane. Helen is a former prisoner for Christ in the nation of Eritrea. Eritrea's oppressive government arrested her. They locked her in a shipping container, but they couldn't stop her from singing praises to God. You won't want to miss hearing her amazing story. So join us next week right here on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.